Thank you for having me back. It uh, is always good to see my friends from Granville and uh, familiar faces here and there, people I know from way back and hopefully people I'll meet a little bit later on. I invite you to join me in reading two parts of God's Word. First of all, Psalm 126 and then Galatians chapter 4. Psalm 126 is a prayer and Galatians 4 is the answer to that prayer. I'm reading from my own old New International Version. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, or as another version puts it, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like people who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Now keep your finger in that place, that lovely poetic prayer, and join me in these great doctrinal words from Galatians chapter 4. I'm going to begin with verse 3, just forget what's before and after. This is the heart of what we're going to focus on. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. Keep that phrase in mind, the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of God's sons and daughters. Because you are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And since you are a child of God, God has also made you an heir. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, people who are loved by God, does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? Does anybody really know where those words I just quoted come from? Come on, baby boomers. The group Chicago, the rock group Chicago from my youthful years. And they are my question to you. Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? Well, I do. And that's why I want to talk with you this morning about time. Now, not the time that you can find by looking at your watch, which by the way, none of you did when I asked if you knew what time it was. Some of you looked at your phones. <laughs> I want to talk about something much deeper and more important than what you find on your watch or your phone. I want to talk about what, what Charles Dickens was getting at when he said it, is, it was the best of times. It was... I didn't even need to say it. What time is it in your life? of those two choices. 
Or are you in the spring of hope? Or the winter of despair? Or the summer of moist heat? We're all at different places. Lots of teenagers here. My wife taught high school for years and years. She told me that when teenagers get to the end of their high school career, some of them can't wait to get out of there. They're looking for freedom to fly and be free, and other students are really nervous about leaving the comfortable, safe environs of school and home. For some, teenage years are, are the best of times, and for others, the worst. Some of us this morning are in the middle years, all full of, of family and responsibilities and career. And I wonder if for you it is a time of excitement or a time of exhaustion. And I suspect the answer is yes. And some of you I can see very clearly are in these blessed senior years. And I'm wondering if for you these are the golden years or if you're finding them to be a time of diminishment and loss. What time is it in your life, the best or the worst? And the world, what time is it in the world? Is this a time of peace and prosperity or a time that's about to explode in war or implode in recession? Is this a time of unparalleled divisiveness or are we on the brink of a whole new era of harmony? What time is it? Well, however you would characterize this time in your life or the time in the world out there, I'm here to tell you this morning that all of us are in the meantime. We are in God's meantime. However you characterize that's where we are. And understanding that, really understanding that, that's what I hope to help you do this morning. Understanding that is the secret to the way you live through the times of your life. We're living in the meantime. What does that mean? Well, that's why I read with you Psalm 126. It is a prayer for the meantime. You caught that there were two stanzas to it, verses 1 through 3 and 4 through 6. Both stanzas have to do with the same thing. I don't know if you picked up on that. Both of those stanzas have to do with restoration. When the Lord brought the captives back to Zion, or alternately translated, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, that's a better translation actually, and then verse 4, restore our fortunes, O Lord. You've got two apparently contradictory statements and prayers. When the Lord restored our fortunes, restore our fortunes, O Lord. What's going on that somebody would pray a prayer like that? Well, obviously, Israel is in the meantime. They have been restored from captivity in Babylon but they've not yet been restored completely in the promised land. They're in the meantime. God has done great things for them. They're not in slavery anymore. 
But they've come back to a land in ruin. You, you know the story. Their homes shattered, their, their fields all weeds, some of their families still in, in captivity way out in the empire, their neighbors hostile, their great Jerusalem in rubble, their temple in ruins, and their God, a great mystery because of what has just happened to them. And so sometimes, as the psalm says, they're, they're laughing, they're full of joy, and other times they're weeping with sorrow and frustration. They aren't in hell anymore, but they're not exactly in heaven either. They're living in the meantime, between the great things God has done for them and the great thing they're begging God to do yet. Now, you know about times like that. I mean, you're happy to be back with your boyfriend after you broke up last spring, and you hope that your relationship lasts a long time, maybe even into marriage, but there's a lot of things in the meantime that have to be worked out before that can happen. I have a friend who, who just had a total knee replacement, and he is so glad to be done with the pain he's lived with for years, and he hopes that someday he'll be able to run the 100-yard dash again, even though he's 75 years old. And now, in the meantime, he still has a lot of rehabilitation and pain to go. Many of us are very happy that it's not 2008 anymore when we saw our our investments plummet, and we wondered where our retirement went. We're glad that we're now in prosperous, prosperous times, but in the meantime, there's an awful lot of volatility, as we saw last week with the market plunging and rising and plunging again. You're glad to be back in church this morning now that your crisis of faith is done. You hope that never happens again, that you always feel close to God, that, that you'll get to heaven one day. But in the meantime, you still have a lot of questions about unanswered prayer, unjust suffering, and the behavior of some of the members of the church. And over all of those meantimes, there is the great meantime of our salvation. God has done great things for us. He's, he's restored us, saved us from the, from the guilt and the punishment and the power of sin. But let's be honest, we all still deal with certain sins. And we don't always have the peace that passes understanding way down in the depths of our heart as we used to sing. We're all living in some kind of meantime. And that's why I want to move from this prayer that we've all prayed to the answer God gave in Galatians chapter 4, where we're reminded that although there are many mean times in our lives, there is also the fullness of time. When the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might have our full rights as the sons and daughters of God. 
Jesus came into our mean times in the fullness of time. Which means that overarching all the mean times of our lives, there is God's time. And at the heart of God's time is Jesus Christ. And that makes all the difference in your life and mine. If, and here's the big if, if we live by faith rather than by the rules. What am I getting at? Well, Paul says that Jesus came, sent forth by God, to redeem those who were living under the law, in slavery to the law. Now, Paul means the law of God. He certainly does. The law that is such a blessing, but can also be such a burden, right? The law that God gave to show us how to live a great life, but a law that also leaves us often feeling pretty guilty and frustrated and sad because we don't do it. Paul's also thinking about something else. He calls it the basic principles of the world. You know what that means? It's a strange phrase. The basic principles of the world refer to all the rules we set up in our lives to help us live through the chaos of our lives and our times. Let me give an example of, of rules that help us live through the chaos. Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, anybody know that name? That's good, I'm glad you don't. He is one of the leading intellectuals of our time and he's written a book, one of many, called 12 Rules for Living, which he says are the antidote for chaos. One of them is stand up straight with your shoulders back. Another one is always make friends with people who have your welfare at heart. Another is Make sure your own house is in perfect order before you criticize the world. Kind of makes sense, right? Sort of helpful. Although they're not nearly as simple as they sound. If you would read the book, as I read some of it before I got mad and threw it away, <laughs> you will find that those simple rules are philosophically very complex and theologically quite wrong. Simpler yet, and, and more helpful, are the rules laid down by Robert Fulgham in his classic book, Everything I Need to Know, very good, I Learned in Kindergarten. Everything I Need to Know, I Learned in Kindergarten, and that's really true. Here are some of the rules. Share everything, right? Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them and always clean up your own mess. There are, there are that was 11 more, 16 rules in all, all of them very simple, helpful ways to organize the chaos 
and give you some chance at success in your life. Now, we've all got rules like that. When you get up in the morning, you have a rule for what you do first. And then you have a rule for what you do second. We all live by the rules. They're helpful. They're good. But here's what Paul has to say to us in the gospel according to Galatians. God has something better. Something more liberating, something more satisfying, something that will give you more joy and peace in life. Instead of living according to the rules, you focus on what happened in the fullness of time. Or better, you focus your faith, your hope, your love on Him who is the fullness of time. God invites us in passages like this to center ourselves on God's Son who would liberate us from all the rules that we have and that we need a little bit of so that we can enjoy our full rights and inheritance as God's children. Now, centering your life on Jesus is not easy to do. You all know that, so do I. There's all kinds of other things competing for our attention, for our focus. It's hard to focus on Christ. How do you do it? Well, back to the song by Chicago. Does anybody really know what time it is? How do you know what time it is? Well, you can do this, or, or you can look to the Christ at the center of time. We used to tell time that way, remember? We talked about B.C. and A.D., before Christ and in the year of our Lord. A lot of you know because you read scholarly things that that isn't proper anymore. Now it's B.C.E. and C.E., before the common era and the common era, the world has taken Christ out of the center of time. In a secular world, you don't tell time by Christ anymore. You tell time by, well, your watch or your phone. The good thing is, being a part of the church of Jesus Christ, that all around this world, there are millions of people who still observe the calendar with Christ at the center, the church year. You know, the great feasts that celebrate the great things God has done, Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost. God has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. That's why we celebrate those seasons of the church year. Right now, we're not in that season of festivity. We're in ordinary time. Did you know that? From Pentecost to Advent is ordinary time, not because it's ordinary, but because this is the time in which we think about what it means to be committed to Christ all the time. Now, maybe this church doesn't observe the church year at all. Lots of churches don't because they think it's a little Catholic or something. But it's a wonderful way to remind yourself about what's really important. 
That church year reminds us that the most important thing in the world is not what season it is, summer, winter, springtime, harvest, nor what season it may be in your own life or on the sports calendar. What's most important is not the electoral cycle, although watching the news you'd think it was, not the calendar of the United Nations, although you read the New York Times, you'd think it was. The most important thing is not the rise and fall of the stock market or the agonies and ecstasies of our lives. The most important thing in the world is what God has done, is doing, and will do in Jesus Christ. And when you think of it that way, then you know that we are in the meantime of the fullness of time. God has done those great things for us in Jesus' death and resurrection. Thank God he has. But there's so much more that God has to do. He's going to restore our whole world and, and us. What Psalm 126 looks forward to is going to happen. All of God's exiled children will come back. Justice will be done. Peace will come. Justice and peace will embrace those who've gone out weeping with seeds to sow will come back with songs of joy carrying the sheaves. A poetic way of saying the world will be new and fresh and fruitful and right. The new heavens and the new earth. The new Jerusalem where there's no more mourning or sighing or weeping or dying ever again. And we will be, as Paul says, free, free at last and enjoying all the riches of God's children. That's our destination. We're in the meantime, but that's our destination, that new heaven and that new earth where all is, is right. And if we remember that we're living in the fullness of time, that's not easy to do. If we remember that we're living in the fullness of time, we won't get sucked into living as though the meantime is all there is. Tish Warren, in a, a book, wonderful little book called The Liturgy of the Ordinary, it was the Christianity Today Book of the Year in 2018. You need to get it. It's really good. It gives a little example to help us think about what it means that we live in the meantime instead of the fullness of time. I think this will resonate with you. Imagine that all of us forgot the destination to which we're headed. This morning, I, I, I left my home in northeast Grand Rapids because I had a destination here at Ivan Rest Church. Now, what if I'd forgotten my destination? Would you be preaching? Well, let's, uh, let's make it bigger than that. Uh, this last week, uh, my wife and I had the privilege of staying in a really nice cottage out on Lake Michigan. Now, from northeast Grand Rapids to Lake Michigan is quite a journey these days, isn't it? 
I mean, all the roads closed, all the detours, all the ways you have to zig and zag. Let's see, I had to go, if I would take the way Google Maps said, 196 out to 131, 131 down to M6, M6 over to 196, 196. Now, what if on my journey to that cottage, I had forgotten my destination? And I decided that I would stop where the S-curve goes under Wealthy Street. Can you picture it? Stop the car, and amazingly, everybody behind me and ahead of me did too. Stop the car, get out, take out a cot, set it by the side of the road. Somebody in a pickup pulls out a barbecue grill and a barbecue starts. A poker game starts. We're not going anywhere. And eventually, we all saying to each other, there's no destination. There's no place to go. And so we all stake out our little piece of highway. We begin to hoard our food, begin to fight, siphon each other's gas, battle over jumper cables to keep our air conditioning going. We all decide that we're going to stake out our own territory and eke out our existence on this little piece of 131 under Wealthy Street. Because we're convinced that these gasoline fumes and concrete pillars are all there is, all there ever has been, and all there ever will be. That's preposterous, of course. When I first shared that little illustration with my wife, she said, that is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody would do something as stupid as that. Oh? Billions of people are doing it right now, and we do too. This little piece of turf, this is mine. Right here in the meantime, this is what matters to me. This is all that matters to me. And then we come to church, and we're reminded, oh, no, no, no. There's the fullness of time that changes the meaning of the mean times. Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? God does. He cared so much that he sent his son into the middle of the chaos of our time. So whether it's the best of times or the worst of times for you, it is always Christ's time. And he will fully restore your life when God's time has fully come. Thanks be to God. Amen. Lord Jesus, we praise you for taking that precipitous fall from the throne in heaven to the manger in Bethlehem and then climbing in agony to that cross and then rising from the dead and then ascending into heaven. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the larger story of history, the plan of God that overarches it all. Help us in the middle of our time times that seem so full, so rich, so painful and joyful and sad to remember that there's a time that matters to God 
that he will fulfill so that all of us will one day find our lives restored if we put our faith in Christ here and now and always. Help us, Holy Spirit, to believe and live by faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.